When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of SFF Yeah! is sponsored by The Robots of Gotham by Todd McAlty, which is a near-future novel set in an occupied Chicago in 2083. The world is on the verge of total subjugation by machines, and American resistance has just collapsed. With the war over, a foreign businessman comes to Chicago to profit from the rebuilding and stumbles on a machine plot to exterminate all life in North America. He assembles an unlikely team of foreign peacekeepers, American resistance fighters, and robots to stop it. Uh, So this is your classic Skynet, basically, (laughs) novel. Um, And it builds directly on recent huge leaps in the most exciting and hotly discussed fields in popular science, including robotics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and drone automation. And that author is an acknowledged expert in machine learning and big data with a history as an executive at startups and major tech companies. So he knows whereof he writes. Well, let's hope he doesn't know too much. This could otherwise be very scary. So again, that is The Robots of Gotham by Todd McAlty. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 28, and we're recording on June 15th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we attempt to answer the question, if you could be any character from a sci-fi or fantasy book, which would you be? I feel like this is our anniversary present to ourselves. Oh, I think I'll, I'm on board with that. Yes. <laughs> we I get dig to cast it. ourselves as any of our favorite characters. I feel like that is a gift in a way. Agree. Agree. And actually, to start out, um, sorry, by the way, today I developed allergies for the first time. So if I sound sick, Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry Thanks, to Portland. welcome you to the club. That's a sad entry. Uh, I just Flo-nays, need to let everybody know. Flonays is your friend. Yes, I, I have you. it. It's glorious. It is. It is. <laughs> so we're starting out actually in a different sort of way today. Um, we are actually talking about the characters we are most like because the other characters we'll be talking about later in the show are the characters we would like to be. So <laughs> yes. for the character, I feel, first of all, um, when, we came, when we came up with this idea, I decided that I had to limit myself to choosing only those characters I've encountered in recent reading as oh. in the last few years because I literally felt myself falling down this interminable hole of indecisiveness <laughs> <laughs> because I was reaching way back into my childhood reading and like mm. I was just like I can't I can't do this so I <laughs> I made it a little bit more more recent um and so for the character I feel like I most like I decided that I'm most like Cersei from Madeline Miller's Circe, um, and I actually already talked about this book a couple podcasts back, so I'm not going to drone on about it too much here, but 
This is that recent retelling of the story of Circe who appears in Homer's Odyssey. And okay, so this is my thinking. So Circe likes and surrounds herself with animals. Okay. She likes to host people, but generally Mm. needs a lot of personal space. Okay. She likes messing around with herbs and things in the kitchen and doing crafty stuff, gardening and foraging. I love foraging. I mean, I needed a guide for it because I'd probably kill myself (laughs) eating a bad mushroom or something. So in some ways, I have – I am like Circe and have some Circe aspirations. She's like my – if I powered up – sort of person. I am not a goddess, obviously. I'm not saying that. (laughs) I like it, though. I like it. And also, I aspire to turn some men into pigs. That's a thing (laughs) I would like to be. (laughs) Life goals. (laughs) Exactly. What about you? Oh, nice. What about Um, you? Yeah, I... It's funny, actually, because this, I think, was a childhood read for many people, but I read the Abhorson series by Garth Nix in my 20s for the first time. And I actually, when I was thinking about this question, it's like, okay, who would I want to be? And then I was like, well, who am I most like? And it immediately came to me that I am most like Lyriel from the Abhorson series. And here's why. Here's why. Is that, like... It, it, it might sound weird for me to say that, like, I'm on a podcast right now, like, talking about my thoughts and opinions. And, you know, I've run a lot of events and I do a fair amount of public speaking, none of which Lyriel would ever do, right? Yeah, um, very introverted. But there will always be a part of me that is, like, that painfully shy girl who just is hiding in the library with her, like... Uh, like for all intents and purposes imaginary dog friend like let's be real like I know the disreputable dog is like actually magically real but like nobody else can see her yeah except for Illyrial so she might as well be imaginary like that was a big part of my childhood and I there will always be a little piece of me that's like you know the girl in the library who just like cannot have a conversation um and so so yeah so and that's fine like I I don't think there's anything wrong with that like I've learned to not be that anymore but there's like it'll always be with me so that was the first thing I thought of that is adorable Aww. I'm glad that you get to talk about Lyriel and I, she's one of my favorite characters so, she's so that's great. why we get along Jen oh my gosh it's <laughs> true it's true it's our it's our mutual Lyrielness it is <laughs> oh I like it um okay let's see before we get on with the show I'm gonna give you all a quick reminder that our bookstore gift card giveaway closes on June 21st, which will be the day after this goes live. So that means you have one more day to enter to win potentially a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. You get to pick. Um, so you should go to bookriot.com bookstore 500 to do that. And I am going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is Prisoner of the Crown, the first book in the Chronicles of Dasnaria series from award-winning author Jeff A. Kennedy. Um, And so this story goes, in a society where women are valued only for their ability to produce heirs and provide pleasure, even the eldest daughter of the emperor has no power. 
Her Imperial Highness, Princess Jenna, is raised to be a dutiful wife, polished and docile, but Jenna's new husband is a terror, and she must escape the brutal marriage or die trying. The frozen tundra outside is foreign land, but Jenna takes her chances. Now, unprotected and alone for the first time in her life, she finds that a chance at freedom outweighs her fears. Resolved to become stronger, not just for herself, but for her kingdom, Jenna makes a vow of her own to take revenge. Ooh, we were just talking about revenge, (laughs) female revenge stories. Um, So this is a quietly fierce, it's described as a quietly fierce fantasy novel, perfect for the era of the Me Too movement. Um, Her husband is, oh my goodness, it does sound like it might take some... It's the, you have to brace yourself for it. Her husband is violently and openly abusive, so probably a little trigger warnings there. Um, So yeah, if you want to read Prisoner of the Crown by Jeffy Kennedy, if that sounds like your thing, um, it'll be out. And thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right, let's see. There's so much adaptation news right now. I feel like we just have a bajillion of these potential stories to talk about. So I might as well start us off with the one I found the most surprising, but also very exciting. Okay. Uh, And that is that Her Body and Other Parties is getting um, development for TV. Um, We talked about this book on the show. It's a collection of short stories by Carmen Maria Machado. It won a bunch of awards and is a debut and is just like great and really hard hitting and really intense. Um, And according to this piece, it's getting a Black Mirror-esque anthology series, which makes sense, right? It actually does. does make sense. It's very interesting. I just, like, if you had asked me like what short story collection might get picked up next. I just don't know that I would have picked this. I mean, I think it's great because it is really visual. There's even a short story in there that's like inspired by law and order. So I don't even know if you could make that because they might have to skip it. I don't know how like copyright works for that, but, um, but it is very visual and it's got some good like mini plots in it. So it does make sense. I just I just didn't see it coming. I mean, it's really cool and very exciting for the author. I feel like there is definitely a trend like an upswing in these um, like anthology series. And it, mm. it is like it does feel like Black Mirror sort of paved the way. And then there's that electric. What is it? Electric sheep one. Um, yeah, and there's also American Horror Story, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. I never think about the most mainstream ones. <laughs> um, yeah, so it seems like, and especially with genre, it seems mm. to work really well, like science fiction, fantasy, this like speculative fiction in general. I just feel like now that it's actually happening, it does make sense, but I am also with you on not having seen it come like I when I read this I was like am I actually reading about the right book like am I thinking about the wrong book or (laughs) is this the real life (laughs) yeah but I I love that Carmen Maria Machado is getting this and that this is going to presumably and hopefully become um, a book that more people who might not have come across it otherwise will pick up because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is from an indie press. This is from Grey Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see this happen often with 
books like this. So I'm really excited for it. And I will definitely watch it, even though I'm sure I will have nightmares because Black Mirror gives me nightmares. Well, I was going to say I have a better shot with this one because I've read the stories already. So yeah. assuming they at least start with the source material, I'll already know like what I will need to handle, yes. which I can manage. Um, and I think it's also worth saying that this is a very explicitly feminist and female-focused collection, which will be an interesting change of pace because a lot of horror is still very sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be real interesting to see what goes on with this. Yeah, it's actually specifically being – I saw in another article it's specifically being pitched as a feminist black mirror, like when it was nice. in development and stuff, so – I hope I can't wait to see it. I'm really interested. I have to read the book because I'm one of the last people on the planet <laughs> who have not read it. So you'll like it. I think you'll really like it. I know. It's been on my list forever. I'm gonna pick it up though. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm gonna talk about another adaptation and one that I for some reason I thought that this was already happening, but I think that was wishful thinking. <laughs> um and it is uh that FX is adapting The Changeling by Victor Lavelle. <clears throat> I think that what it was is that there there was also adaptation news very recently about I think the ballad of Black Tom. Oh yes. Yeah. Right. And so I think I must have conflated those two when I saw this news I was like I already knew this and I didn't actually (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) so there was actually a competitive situation it says um with like the bidding war of trying to get rights to adapt the changeling which is very exciting because I feel like more people need to know about Victor Laval's work Mm -hmm. and and FX won it. Um, it's actually being produced by Annapurna Television. Uh, not that anybody needs to know all of, like, the different, you know, industry production companies, but they are going to be developing it. And it's actually – I there's somebody – Kelly Marcel is attached to pen the script. So it's still very early in the development stage. And it's – The Changeling, if you haven't read it, it's – uh, it's described as a fairy tale for grown-ups, and you know, as Victor Laval does, it it's got its horror in it, and it's a bit scary. Like I've heard of people having to take a break from the book, and there are specific scenes in it where people had like, you know, they had nightmare-inducing moments. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very real violent. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's set in a New York no one knew existed, and there's. A disappearance of a baby and two new parents who go on this quest where they have to figure out what happened to their child. And this says that it'll deal with the perils of personal technology and social media, toxic masculinity, the mental health of new mothers and fathers. So this seems right for um, that grim dark. There's a lot of grim dark television out there right now, and it does seem like this is the right time for this book, and especially like with the political climate and everything. And yeah, it. I'm just really excited about it, and. 
The problem with all of this news about these adaptations is that it feels like we have a long time to wait. Oh, so long. So long. (laughs) So I'm going to have to like write a reminder to myself to keep checking in on the status of this one because I have no idea what's happening with the Ballad of Black Tom adaptation. Mm -hmm. I think that was for AMC. So he's got a lot going on right now and I'm really happy for him. Agree, agree. And I, well, it's just more time for me to do my um, personal fan casting. I still haven't quite figured out who I want in which role yet. So I will, I will get back to y'all on that one. (laughs) Yeah, that should definitely, we'll have to have a follow up of fan casting. Yes. yes. (laughs) Let's do that. Um, Make it a note. Okay. Um, Let's see. What should we talk about next? I'm going to take a momentary break from adaptation news because we could just do that forever to talk about this thing that I found um, this past week. Apparently, the East Coast is getting its first ever cosplay ball. It's going to be called the Cos Gala and take place uh, this September, September 29th in Baltimore. And I think this is the best idea potentially ever. It's um, apparently it is a grand scale extravaganza with an all night bar, a gourmet buffet dinner and a cosplay contest. Um, And there's a DJ and it's like, yeah, it's it's apparently a masquerade ball for cosplay. Like I just it makes so much sense. It's kind of astonishing, actually, that. This has not happened before now that I think about it. Um, it's so like obvious that it's that nobody did it. So it's perfect. Um, I'm, I'm really hopeful that this will do well because we've had some real sad news in the sci-fi fantasy fandom event space in the past couple months. Like things tanking the week before they're supposed to happen and weird fraud and uh, it's just kind of a disaster. Um, so I have all of my fingers and toes crossed that that the event team in charge of this knows what they're doing um, and that they have their, you know, their T's crossed and their I's dotted and will put together a good event. Um, I think if it, I think if it does go well, it will be very, very cool. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I have, I, I'm really hopeful. I'm hopeful is what I want to say. I try to decide if I'm going to go or not. I'm trying to decide. I, I was going to say, I kind of like, I need to put it in my calendar and yeah. maybe attempt. Like, do you want to fly out here and we'll go together? <laughs> I would totally do that. I love cosplay balls. I have been, I've been to a few of them, but they were very, like, one of them was very specific. Like, it's the Labyrinth of Jareth Masquerade. Oh, but that's smart, though. That's yeah. Smart. And it was smaller. This sounds like it's going to be way bigger um, because both of those, the two I used to go to happened in Los Angeles, and it was the Labyrinth of Jareth, and then there was um, Myth Mask, oh, which nice. was like, you know, most people dressed up in, like, fear. It wasn't, like, necessarily to do with anything like comics or something like that. So yeah. this sounds really interesting because it's so broad that Mm -hmm. you could just like you could really let your creativity go wherever it wants to go Mm -hmm. and that is what excites me about it and I also hope that they have it all together because it sounds really really fun I mean the details that are provided just in this sound like it sounds like they know what they're doing I haven't looked into like the actual expertise of the people behind it but um 
I don't know. I just want to go. I see like prize from Arda Wiggs and I'm like, yes. I want to win that prize. I know. I know. Let's see. The tickets range from $35 to $125. So actually there's apparently a pretty like reasonable level. Yeah. Um, and it says tickets are non-refundable, but they are transferable. So I don't know. You and I will have to do some research. We and... will before we could, before I yeah. book my flight. That's right. We'll do a little, we'll do a little homework. We'll see what we, we'll have to think about what we would go as. I don't even know. I'd have to think Any about ideas. <laughs> um, all right. So that's that. I just, I just thought that was really cool though. That's so cool. I hadn't even seen this one and now I'm like really excited about it. Break out the sewing machine. Yeah. And the foam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. A nerd flag flying. Um, Let's see. Where should we go? I don't know if I want to, like, irritate people with news about more George R. R. Martin <laughs> stuff he's working on. But maybe I'll just go there anyway. Um, Because my finger was right over the tab. <laughs> so... <laughs> So George R. R. Martin is working on a prequel for Game of Thrones. And I don't know if we had heard something about this before, but I don't remember it. So this is total news to me. Um, Jane Goldman is serving as a showrunner on this new series, and it is with HBO. And it's co-created by George R. R. Martin. So that means he is working on it along with some other things. And I was kind of ready to put Game of Thrones behind me to just, you know, put it to bed and not think (laughs) about, like, the next book or anything about it and move on with my life. But, of course, media will not let me do that. (laughs) I don't know if I'm actually going to watch this. I probably will if I'm being honest with myself. But... Um, So it's created by Jane Goldman, who worked on uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and Kick-Ass. And it's set thousands of years before the events of Game of Thrones um, in that series. And the project is chronicling the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. So (laughs) there's this log line and... They're not talking about any specifics, any real details, but there's a logline that says only one thing is for sure. From the horrifying secrets of Westeros' history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East to the Starks of legend, it's not the story we think we know. (laughs) And it just sounds like George R. R. Martin really just wants to, like, go back. Like, he's working on this historical books about... um, that world about Westeros and Mm -hmm. he's working on this. I just don't know what to think about it. I don't know whether to be celebratory. I don't, I guess I don't have to have any feelings about it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that, well, it's interesting, right? Because there were, they've talked about how there's like a bunch of potential successor shows for um, Game of Thrones. That's right. Like they're working on, a, there's a bunch of people working on a bunch of them. This one has moved beyond the script phase. Um, 
it's got it's got a pilot order. So, you know, that's good, but not guaranteed. So we that's may true. not get it. We may get something else. We may get a couple of them. I think they were working on like four or five. Um, I think that it's interesting to me when you line this up next to the like potential young Aragorn Lord of the Rings series that we talked about on the last did I talk about that with you on the last show? No, I talked about it with Alex. Right. Um so on the previous show, Alex Axe was our guest, and and we talked about that. Um, and so you know they're doing this this Lord of the Rings TV show, and the rumor has it that it's going to be um, young Aragorn is, is oh who yeah follow right, and we don't know for sure, but like that that's a, seems like a pretty strong guess to me. Um, and it seems to me that Hollywood has finally figured out what you know, fandom already knew, which is that there's like these worlds, once you build them can go in a lot of directions. Like you, the world is built and now you can play in it for kind of as long as you're willing to. Um, and I mean, I guess the superhero franchises have always kind of known that, but yeah, it's very, it strikes me as just like, you know, TV catching up to fandom. It's like, oh yeah, like we can make more stories out of this. That's um, true. And potentially get more money, like, right? So I, on the one hand, like, will I watch it? Probably not. I had to stop watching Game of Thrones personally. It was just too much for me. Um, yeah. I might, though, you know, who knows um, if I'll have HBO or not or if it will happen or not. But I do think it's interesting to see the continued expansion of the science fiction and fantasy TV universe. Not, I mean, Game of Thrones specifically, but also in general. I just think that's that's an interesting movement that we're seeing. So I, I guess I have meta thoughts about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is understandable because this whole thing is very meta. Yeah. That's basically just what's going on. There is a lot to work with. It's a huge world. And... Obviously, George R. R. Martin really likes to get into the minutia of things, so mm -hmm. it's not like it won't be thought out. Uh, but yeah, so if it's greenlit, it wouldn't air until it says at least a year after the final season. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it'll be interesting. There's so much George R. R. Martin stuff happening right now. I'm probably just going to get it all confuddled in my head. <laughs> <laughs> be easy to do. Easy to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's do our second sponsor and then start talking about our aspirational characters. Uh, our next sponsor is Becoming the Dragon by Alex Sepagin, uh, who is the author, and the translator is Elizabeth Kulikov. It's from Lit World Publishing House. And then a synopsis says, human or beast, the most terrifying is the one you least expect. This is the story of Andy, an unassuming teen who stumbles on a high-voltage electromagnetic field and is transported to the faraway world of Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta, excuse me. Not Atlanta. That would be different. <laughs> uh, inhabited by both human and fantastical beings. In order to survive, Andy must embark on the journey of a lifetime, transformed by ancient ritual into the powerful golden dragon Kerr. But will it make him less human? The Dragon Inside series has captivated its readership across the Russian-speaking world and is now available for English-language fantasy readers everywhere. So if dragon stories are your thing or portal fantasies or people who get to turn into dragons, uh, any of the above, you should check it out. Again, that's Becoming the Dragon by Alex Sepagin, uh, translated by Elizabeth Kulikov. Thank you for sponsoring the show. 
That's so interesting. There's mm-hmm. so little um, – that's young adult, right, in translation – I guess it would be, right? It says he's a teen. I never know, you know, I if the marketing is meant to be, like, unless it explicitly says in the marketing, I'm never sure. <laughs> that's true. I'm just happy for anything that I read in my genre that's in translation. I, it's true, though. I hadn't thought about it. There's a ton of adult Russian sci-fi fantasy out there, but I have not seen a ton oh, with yeah. teen characters. So, yeah, I mean, like, we could have, a, in fact, we should have a whole episode about Russian sci-fi fantasy because it's bonkers. That's right you read a lot of it you would be I like, do hey. I've read a fair amount uh, <laughs> but yeah this is this is the first one I've seen I think that has a teen uh, narrator or main character rather there's teens in other ones but not so much focal points excellent okay well I, I guess I'm gonna start out um, talking about characters I would like to be and definitely have nothing in common with <laughs> <laughs> because my first character yeah I have nothing in common um, so I'm going to start with the science fiction pick, and the character in science fiction I would most like to be is YT from Snow Crash, which is by Neil Stevenson. And this is basically as far back in my reading as I was willing to reach. This was like, I think I read this book about maybe five years ago, so I came to this book really late. Uh, It's kind of a classic, I guess. Definitely a classic of cyberpunk. Um, So, yeah. I look back at our podcast history and I sort of couldn't believe that I hadn't already talked about this book because it was my first Neil Stevenson read. I did talk about Stevenson's Seven Eves, though. Um, So, yeah, Snow Crash falls into the cyberpunk genre and it's got all the stuff you might expect. It's got virtual reality, hacking, cute robot dogs, or rather rat things. It's got everything. And the book is supposed to take place in Los Angeles in the 21st century, just to give you some background, which is kind of hilarious because the government is run by these corporations and mob bosses and the like. It's like a prison yard is what it felt like when I was reading it. And there's been this economic collapse. Everybody's doing their own thing, living their lives in this hot mess of a world. And then there's this character named hero protagonist, you know, LOL, who's this pizza (laughs) delivery guy, but he also does some stuff on the side. And he gets up to his neck in trouble thanks thanks in part to YT, who's a courier, a really cool courier, and they decide to go into business together selling Intel, which is as dangerous as it sounds. And then there's this weird virus going around affecting people who visit the metaverse, which is this virtual reality space where people have other kinds of businesses and dealings and homes and lives. And Hero's very well settled into the metaverse and has acquaintances and business associates in it. And the drug, this virus, is actually being sold as a drug, as this narcotic, but it has terrible consequences on the people who take it. And then it threatens, like, everybody's existence and the metaverse and all sorts of things. And there are religious cults and fighting between sovereignties and, like, all of Stevenson's book. It's books, it's just, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. And really, YT, like, this was the first really big science fiction tome I ever took on. Like, usually I... For whatever reason, I gravitate toward shorter science fiction books. And YT really carried me through the book. I think she's supposed to be like 15 years old in the story. 
And I never want to go back to being a teenager. Let's clear that up. (laughs) Same. Yeah. But I do wish that as a young person I'd had even an ounce of her audacity because that's the sort of person I could not. Like, I I was so different as a teenager. But she's this punk rebel who seems not to care about anything. But it's not so much like she's not such a punk rebel. She actually doesn't care about anything because she does. And she takes all sorts of risks and gets into all sorts of danger. I mean, she partners up with this person she's barely met to sell intel and work with mob bosses, so you can imagine. Um, But mostly it's to do right. She's really smart, and she kicks a lot of butt, and also she has great style. She was a character I almost tried to cosplay. Like, I think her her outfit was, like, briefly described, and I was, like, really Mm. into goth back then, and cyberpunk was part of that. Like, a lot of people dressed in, this is so old school. (laughs) And so I was like, ooh, I'm inspired. But she seems really reckless at first, but as you read the book and get to know her, you realize that there are things in the world she's actually trying to protect. Like, there are reasons behind her doing these wild stunts and really risking her neck to protect some people who are important to her. I'm trying not to give anything away. But I, you know, I tend to read mostly books about women. So when I do pick up one with a male protagonist, I find that there has to be a strong, interesting woman or girl character. And YT really was that for me in Snow Crash. And yeah, I I sort of wish I could go back to my teenage self and say, you know, like, you don't have to be like this character at all because that's kind of kind of cray but you can uh you can probably learn a few things about like trying to get out there and trying to you know take risks here and there from this character so yeah definitely yt nothing like her but has some really cool attributes nice i like that (laughs) um i will also start with my sci-fi pick uh which is that if i was gonna pick a character from science fiction that i wanted to be it would be kel Cheris from nine fox gambit by yoon ha lee i if you get the swords and spaceships newsletter you already know i am super obsessed (laughs) with the machineries of empire series by yoon ha lee i am just obsessed the third book came out and it is so good it's like makes me angry how good it is. Um, it's just one of the best trilogies I've ever read. I'm just obsessed. And I remember, well, okay, let me rewind a little bit. So the world of Nine Fox Gambit is really messed up. Um, Kel Cheris is a soldier in this army, and she is in the midst of a battle when the book picks up and everything is going very wrong and like people are dying all around her and she gets sort of accidentally like field promoted um to and tries to win the battle and the way this universe works is that like it's very mathy um like really bananas math though and everything runs on like this calendar system and um there's you know heretical calendar people trying to impose their own calendar and you have to fight them but because the laws of physics obey calendars you can mess with other people's like 
existences in that way. Um, and she does this very sort of almost heretical thing to win the battle and fully expects to basically be executed for it. Um, and instead gets like promoted again and given a very hopeless mission. Um, that she like again doesn't expect to come back from but but what i love about chera so much is that first of all she's a math genius and i have never been good at math but i've always really wanted to be like i like the idea of math so much i just am not good at executing any of it. Um, it was always the thing I struggled with. Algebra, I loved, but like geometry and just like anything, trig, I was just kind of lost. Um, and it was a real bummer uh, because again, like I said, like I thought, I think math is interesting in, in its most abstract form. Um, and I wish that I could execute those abstract forms. Um, and also she is so dedicated and stubborn and she also sees very clearly so like I don't have any particular desire to be in the military but watching her sort of work towards a goal and like be very clear about what that goal is and what the sacrifices are and do it anyway in the best way she possibly can I find so inspiring she's also a very physical character like she duels and you know she goes on these adventures and has to like surmount all of these impossible odds and all of those you know things that she manages to do are just amazing and I am so inspired by her like I wish like you said like I had an ounce of her her mental abilities and her, you know, willingness to throw herself into situations that she doesn't know if she's going to come back from. Like that's really, it can be foolhardy, but it's also really admirable um, when you're doing it for the right reasons. And she tends to be. So yeah, that is my, that is my ode to culture. <laughs> um, from Nine Fox Gambit. I just love her so much. That's awesome. And she also sort of has an imaginary friend, except yeah, it's an I, undead person. I was like, I'm not even going to get into the part where she's possessed by a sociopathic ghost because that just complicates everything. That's a part I would not prefer to have. I'm going to level with you. Like, yes. Jadao is a really fascinating character, but I do not particularly want to be saddled with, like, an extra personality inside of my body no thank you we definitely have to separate like the characters that we would like to be from their actual storyline oh, yeah. and their environment <laughs> super not interested in living in a universe no. that runs on torture for example like not interested in that either <laughs> no thank you <laughs> the same goes actually for my fantasy pick and I had to invoke Zencho's sorcerer to the crown yeah. I couldn't not um, so yeah, this is my fantasy pick, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, because I really want to be Prunella Gentleman. We all want to be Prunella Gentleman. Jay, isn't that? That's so correct. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we were just talking about not being in their storyline, and, you know, as a brown person myself, I do not want to live in Restoration-era <laughs> England, but I do want to be a super powerful, you-can't-catch-me sort of magician with a super powerful and kindly magician mentor and then leave out all the imperiled bits. If I was any of these characters, my story would be so boring because I'd be like, you know, oh, not that's dangerous. No, let's leave that out. Just get to the happy ending. Same. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay, so... 
So, Sorcerer, if you haven't heard us ranting about this book before, Sorcerer to the Crown is the first book in the Sorcerer Royal series. It's the only book out so far, sadly. Um, I think the next one's supposed to come out in 2019, so there's still a wait. But it does take place in Restoration London, and the two main characters are people... I think people... you mean Regency, sorry. Regency. Why do I keep saying Restoration? That's okay. Regency. Regency era, yes. Regency era London, they're the two main characters are people with great power living in a world where nobody wants brown people to have power, of course. This is that time. And Zachariah's wife gets chosen to be the next Sorcerer Royal. And even though the decision is usually undeniable because, you know, they there are certain ways you get chosen for this job where it's like you're basically pulling the sword out of the stone. But Zacharias is black, he's a, free, he's a freed slave, and this guild of unnatural philosophers, they don't want him to be um, what is basically the magical advisor to England. And meanwhile, Prunella, our fave, is one of a number of women who have the gift, but they aren't allowed to practice around this time. You know, women at that time had certain ideals they had to live up to that were very restrictive and very conservative, and it's considered very unladylike to wield magic. But she's Prunella, and she doesn't really let people tell her what to do. So she finds a very creative way to insert herself under Zacharias's wing, and she proceeds to do her own thing and to figure out her life, where she wants to go, and also her past, which is kind of a mystery even to her, and she just goes, there's, there are almost two storylines in this book, like, there's Zacharias dealing with his issues, which are terrible, and there's Prunella, who's really trying to harness her power, like, she has this crazy good power that she doesn't even know what to do with, and she hasn't really been given an opportunity to learn more about what her talents are and what her skills are and just how powerful she is. And so she's getting a taste of this for the first time. So, of course, she goes off and she's like, look at what I can do. Like, I know I'm supposed to keep it under wraps, like that Zacharias is trying to to teach her, like this is not the done thing. But she can't help herself, and I really don't blame her. So also during this story, there's also this part of the storyline where magic is being withheld from England by fairyland. So Zacharias has to go figure that out and save the country that hates him. And Prunella sort of has to get involved with this thing, these deceptions that are going on around Zacharias. So she's also like a, a big hero in the story, which I really loved about it. Um... So yeah, I just I just think she's a fantastic character and I really want to read more about her with the next books. She's kind of sneaky, but for a really good reason. And I guess it appears I want to be the good hardest reckless rebel in the story <laughs> because I just love those characters so much. I just find them so fun and interesting and unlike my own experiences. Um, yeah, and she doesn't let anyone tell her what to do, which is awesome. She has this interesting backstory, and I can't wait to get into it more with the next books that will come out hopefully soon. <laughs> so again, yeah, that was Prunella Gentleman, and she is from Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. 
Such a good one. Um, my fantasy pick is going back a bit. I can't remember when I first read Sunshine by Robin McKinley, but it was definitely either, it was probably late teens. And the main character, Ray, was immediately my favorite. Um, she is a baker. She works in her family's coffee shop and she makes cinnamon rolls and muffins and desserts and cakes and cookies and all of those things. Um, and then one day she also gets kidnapped by vampires. And <laughs> it turns out that she has powers aside from making like the most amazing cinnamon rolls in the world. Um, and she has been sort of suppressing some memories from her childhood and people have been not telling her about where she comes from in certain situations. Um, and she gets involved in this vampire war, uh, with a vampire sidekick naturally. Um, and has to kind of like, just completely reconceive of who she is and what her life is going to be like. And there's things about Ray that are already a little bit who I am. Like I have the biggest sweet tooth, um, <laughs> but sadly <laughs> acquired a gluten in like sensitivity in my adulthood and can no longer have things like regular cinnamon rolls, which is super sad because the gluten of all, like a lot of baked goods, Side note, a lot of baked goods you can replicate gluten-free, but cinnamon rolls are really hard to do gluten-free. I have seen it done poorly. <laughs> alas, alas. Like a sad cinnamon, cinnamon roll is a really sad thing. It is. Um, but I've never been like, you know, the up at dawn in the kitchen, like oven on, like sleeves rolled up, pounding out the dough kind of baker. It's an aspiration for sure. Um, one that will probably never happen. And I just loved how immersed Ray could get in this. And she was just so passionate about feeding people. Like it's, it's clearly her love language. And I completely understand that. Um, and then of course she's got magic powers, which would be cool. Um, although the price she pays for them is pretty high. Um, but she is, she is forced into this role that she just has really no expectation of uh, no desire to be in. And she also, really just kind of like she she feels her feelings about it which are not pleasant um but she looks at it and she decides like what it's important for her to do and i guess this is sort of the through line of my picks is that these are women who like are put in sort of impossible situations and they're like all right well i guess this is what i'm going to do and i'm just going to do it because this is the right thing and 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 it it doesn't always seem clear that it's right from other people's perspectives, but they have to move forward in some way, and so they choose to. And and it's just really again like very inspiring and like motivating. You're like ah oh, right, like if she can end a vampire war, like surely <laughs> I can solve this work <laughs> problem. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Surely I can, you know, whatever the thing is. Like, none of my problems. I mean, well, you know, we are all faced, all actually, with a lot of choices now um, in how we deal with the outside world. And I certainly have been trying to take inspiration from my reading for that. And these characters definitely 
do not sit around for injustice or cruelty. So, so there's that, there's that going for them too. But really like when you first meet Ray, she's just, she's just making cinnamon rolls. And I was immediately like, oh yes, would like, would like to be her. Yes. Let's do that. Like, let's make some cinnamon rolls. So again, that's Ray from Sunshine by Robin McKinley. Every time you talk about this book, I learned something new about it. And I finally <laughs> just, while you were talking, went to my scribed and bookmarked it so that I can yes. read it soon. I know I have talked about it before, haven't I? But it's just so fun. It's it so sounds so good. It's, it's a good, good reminder. I'm glad you you talk about it. Um, okay, so that's it for our show, for our belated anniversary kind that's of right. gifting ourselves show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And of course, as always, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And please do, if you, if you like the show, please review us on apple podcasts it helps people find us and you can also find us online i'm on instagram at s zainab williams that's s-z-a-i-n-a-b williams how about you jen i am on tumblr it's jenirl.tumblr.com and that is jen with two n's and until next time happy reading happy reading happy reading